So music team, AV team, come on up. We are, this is the last week of our, of our team ministry launch. There's one more ministry, and that's the Ancient Baptist Journal, uh, but we're still making some plans on that. We'll be announcing that somewhere down the road. But I'm so thankful for this part of our ministry. Isn't the music important? It is vital. And of course, the, the audiovisual. It's vital. You have to be able to hear us. It needs to be, it needs to be good. The sound needs to be right because of the time in which we live. But what I'm thankful for is the talent that God has brought to Grace Baptist Church and people that want to use it for the Lord. And uh, Jacob, Jacob Alter, is in charge of this team. So come on up and tell us what you have. So I'm going to start by introducing everybody that we have up here on stage. We have Maureen, who's our pianist. We have Michael Bermond, who runs all of the slides. So during the song service, all the slides. And he does the tracks for special music. We have Pam, who's going to be organizing some children's choirs for us here in the future. So we'd love having her on the team. Nathan Arling is our song leader. Logan Bradshaw runs our live stream ministry. So if you've ever watched us on Facebook or YouTube, you can thank Logan for that. And Todd is our primary sound guy. And Andy's not up here, but Andy is our secondary sound guy. And Ty Blackford is in charge of the skits at the church primarily. I was going to have him on stage, but he told me he was going to charge me five bucks, so I didn't end up going with that choice. <laughs> so I'm going to be going over the music ministry briefly, and then Logan is going to come talk about the audiovisual portion. So first, in talking about the importance of music, God mentions numerous times in the Bible how important music is to him, and almost every time music is found in the Bible, it's a command for us to sing to God of his praises and all the wonderful things he does for us. So I believe that the music ministry here should reflect how important the music, how important music is to God. And I think we do a great job of that already. On top of that, when you think about it, it's really the second way that the visitors who come to the church see who the church is. So they see us greeting, but then they come in here and listen to the music. And it's important that they understand who we are by that music, both that the lyrics be doctrinally sound and that we're singing passionately about God and his truth through those songs. So some of the new things that we're wanting to do with music ministry going forward is adding new songs. So that can be challenging. There's a lot of sort of vapid Christian music in the culture today, but there's also some really good new music coming out, and we're going to be working on finding that music. Also, older songs. So there are a lot of great hymns from the past that have great doctrines in them that I would like to be bringing back. So if you hear a new song on the radio or there's an old hymn you haven't heard in a while, please come tell me, and I would love to add that to our lineup in the future. One of the other things that I'm potentially interested in doing is adding more instruments to our congregational music. So we have a bunch of instrumentalists in the church who can play violin, as we just saw, flute, several other instruments, and I think it would be cool to add those it's to really the good. normal song service. So I'm looking to do that. Uh, also, we're going to be adding the children's choir, thanks to Pam, so that's really exciting going forward. And one of the ways we're going to be able to incorporate more instruments and songs is by changing how we do the practice so the way practices currently work is on 8.30 Sunday mornings, the music team gets here, does a sound check, and a brief run-through of the songs for that day. But if the sound check goes long, that often doesn't leave a lot of time for an in-depth practice of the music. So one of the ways we're going to be countering that or fixing that is by moving our practices from 8.30 day of to 4 p.m. before the evening service. So everyone will get here at 4 p.m. who's on the music team, do a sound check and a run-through for the songs the following week. For those of you who are doing a special like Olivia just did, you'll still come for the 8.30.
And on Sundays like today where we have a discipler meeting, the practices will happen after the evening service. And I know that's a lot of information, so if you're on a music team and you need me to go over that again, just come see me and I'll be happy to do that. And now I'm going to get into some of the roles we have open for the music teams. I would like to emphasize that these are for anyone youth group and up. So if any of you teens who aren't already in the music ministry are interested in getting involved, don't hesitate to sign up. We would love to have you on the team. Our preeminent need we have in the music ministry right now is backup pianists. So Maureen, how long have you been the main pianist? 22 years. Can we show Maureen that we appreciate her really fast? So I think it's, I think it's fair to say that Maureen could use a break every once in a while. Uh, what we aren't necessarily asking is for someone to take over full-time. But if you can learn three songs on the piano and be ready to go for a rotation every once in a while, that would be incredibly helpful. Right now, Amanda Yo is our main backup, and she does a great job, but she's not always available either. So we just need to have more backups for piano. The next thing we have is song leader. Nathan does a great job of that, but especially with the baby coming soon, Nathan's going to need a break coming up. So please sign up for song leader if you feel you could do that. Our third role is worship team member. They're the ones singing on the platform every Sunday. The way that works is you get on a monthly rotation and you just show up for song practices and services every week for that month. And lastly, special music. So if you are interested in an instrumental or vocal solo for an offertory or normal special, sign up for the special music. So I'm really, really excited about music ministry going forward. Justin has had so much on his plate the last few years. It's nice for him to be able to take a break and hand that off. And I'm really excited to see what God does with the ministry. So, Logan, if you want to come ahead, talk about audiovisual. Well, good morning. Uh, like Jake was saying, uh, we are introducing, or maybe more accurately, trying to bolster our existing AV ministry. Um, so, as he was saying, we have Todd. He handles all our sound. Uh, he does a really good job with that. Uh, as you notice, there's lots of different mics on the different instruments. So at any given time, he's always trying to uh, balance the sound as it's coming through there and make it all sound good for everybody in here. Uh, Michael Michael handles all of our slides that you see uh, above us. Uh, basically, he's kind of our, our general catch-all problem solver back there. We would be lost without him, so to speak. Uh, myself, I handle all the outgoing media, so the live stream, uh, everything you would see if you were unable to be here. Um, and then Jake kind of is our supervisor back there. He directs all three stations simultaneously. Uh, why is the AV ministry important? Well, I think it's becoming more and more important uh, today, uh, especially given it wasn't that long ago we were all shut in our houses and we all had only the live stream to watch and to partake in church with. So I, I think that was really kind of the birth of that ministry, and uh, it, we've kind of kept it on as it's a tremendous help. It's a blessing, I think, to everybody who can't attend and you know those who can't attend and want to still partake in church and observe church as we do. So hopefully it's a blessing to everyone out there. Uh, some of the different roles we have coming up that we want to focus on, uh, we definitely want somebody to be able to cover for all three stations we have back there. Uh, like I said, that's the sound. If you can handle an iPad, that's great. We can get you in there and we can show you what you need to know, what you need to do. Uh, if you can handle 
uh, Mac OS environment, that, that's great. We can show you what to do. You can handle the slides. Uh, if you can navigate a uh, Windows 10 desktop environment, we can get you in there, show you what you need to do. Uh, honestly, I'm sure lots of you do that for work every day as is. So you don't have to be super smart with anything. You don't have to have really any kind of uh, any special skill, as long as you're willing to jump in there and be helpful and willing to learn something new, we'd love to have you. Uh, outside of that, we just want people with any kind of general IT experience or skills, knowledge, anything like that, we can certainly use you and put you to work. Uh, we're really going to be focused here, focusing here soon on our uh, website. Uh, I think it's very important that we have a good-looking website. Um, I'm sure many of you would agree, we have tracks and we have invitations we can give people, but you know those we can only squeeze so much information on one of those three by five cards. So how much better it would be for somebody to look at our website and it be a nice looking website up front. And just all the information they have there is address, times, uh, I believe our statement of faith is on there, an introduction to our pastor, all things that yes would really probably benefit from knowing coming coming to a new church. So that's something we really want to focus on moving forward. So if you have any kind of uh, web design experience or graphic design experience, we definitely want you. We can use you. Uh, outside of that, like I said, if you have any kind of just, if you're willing to learn something new, it's, it might be something different, new up front, but uh, if you're willing to come in and help, jump in, we'd love to have you. We can show you everything you need to know. So that. We uh, hope to see you guys at the sign-up tables in the back. Thank you. Let's give the music team a hand. There's so many things that we want to do with our music. I'd also like to uh, relaunch our men's group. How many of you remember our men's group singing? Wouldn't that be good to hear again? I, I would love to do that. And I'm very thankful for Jacob and Logan, and uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do, and I know Maureen is very thankful for some help. So she was introduced as our pianist. She has done so much more than that over these years, and she's very excited about being the pianist. <laughs> so that, that's, that's a great blessing. Man, it's just so good to be here and to see what God is doing. I was able to send um, a text recently around to some other pastors because you know that, that nationally, it's a very difficult time for churches. And to see Grace Baptist Church growing and at families being added, it feels like almost every week that we're growing and what God is doing here. It's a wonderful thing, but not only do we need to grow numerically, and we're thankful for that, but the, the idea of growing in the number of people that are actively serving God here, that's the desire and that's what this team ministry is all about. And I'm so excited. Uh, I was telling somebody, people are asking me, how are you doing? I've never been this relaxed in ministry as I am right now because so much of it has been handed off. And so I'm very thankful for that. So uh, praise the Lord. We have special music today.
Amen, and that is exactly right. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I would like to preach this whole chapter, but there's not enough time this morning. We are going to go through a significant part of it. Hebrews chapter 13, and let's look at verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Do you see that? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Lord, help us as we look at the subject of praise, of worship. Father, help us to define some things for our church as we talk about our music ministry and our audiovisual ministry. Father, help us to understand that it doesn't matter what the world wants, that, that, it, that it's all for you. In Jesus' name, amen. This is such an amazing chapter. As I was reading through this chapter, I knew the subject that I wanted to speak on. And, of course, one of the things that you don't want to do as a preacher is to have a sermon and then try to find a text to go along with it. Have you ever seen a preacher do that? But that's what I did today. And what's fun is when I found this text... The good news is it changed my message. And so I want to show you what this passage, and I did, just if you you didn't hear me. I had a sermon, and I looked for a text to go along with my sermon. But when I found the text, it changed my sermon. So I'm okay, all right? It's it's all right. Let's look at this. And I'm speaking today on the sacrifice of praise from this passage. But let's look at the whole context. Look at verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. 
Wouldn't that be a good thing? Let brotherly love... So what we're going to do is this... We're going to define in the context what a sacrifice of praise is. So part of that sacrifice of praise is letting brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. How many of you have heard of that verse before? We talked about it in Sunday school. This doesn't mean you entertained invisible people, right? Some of you have, and they're usually in the audiovisual ministry. <laughs> By the way, how many of you are thankful that Logan didn't wear his dress? <laughs> and if you're watching on YouTube, no explanation. All right. But look at what it says. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. If you saw an angel, it looked like a person. It actually looked like a man. I don't have time to explain all of that, but that's what's happening here. Verse 3. So be not forgetful. Verse 2, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. What does that mean? We've got to be welcoming. We have to love our brothers, and then we really need to be welcoming. But notice what it says. They've entertained. We need to entertain. We need to be hospitable. We need to be inviting people into our homes. We need to be inviting people out to eat. We need to be interacting with people other than our, our, our little crew. Amen? Okay. You had an extra hour of sleep. I expect better amens than that. We, we ought to be interacting with people outside of the building other than our crew. Amen? Amen. That's a part of our worship. That's a part of our sacrifice of praise. Verse 3, remember them that are in bonds. Look at the way it says it. As bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. So, I was talking with my friend Jerome Pittman. Remember, we supported him as a missionary to Ireland for years. He pastors in Canada now. We forget this. They're completely locked down. He can't leave his house in Canada. He can't leave his house. They're... They're bound. You leave the house, you get arrested. You can't go and wander around. You can't go and take a drive. Just like Australia. How many of you didn't know that's happening in Canada? It's terrible. It's terrible. They're in bonds. We need to be praying for these people. Can you imagine how dark of a place that is to minister? You can't go talk to people. You can't interact with people. And here's what's going to happen. It's just like the people that were participating in, in the, the protests there in Washington, D.C. They're in prison. There are people, all they did, the door was opened. I don't know if you saw it, but guards were waving people in. They walked in. They've, these people are in prison with no charges. They're being held unconstitutionally in horrible conditions. That's going on right now in the United States of America. How long do you think it's going to be before they tell us we can't gather together as a church? And when we try, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are going to be put in prison. And we need to be willing to go to them and feed them and care for them, even knowing that that may cause us to be put in prison. That's what it means. That's what this passage is talking about. So look at what it says in verse 3. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So when, when your family is struggling, we've been praying for the Roth family and for, for Audrey and the baby and the boy is Josh, right? So, you know, my brain is terrible. Um, we've been, how many of you have been praying for this family? 
And God has answered prayers, but God, we're not done praying for that. How should we pray for them? I should be praying for them as if it's, it's Lydia and her husband. That's the way that we are to pray. We're to pray for them as if it's our own body, because it is. We are a body of Christ together, united in this local congregation. Then look at what it says in verse 4. How many of you can tell already that we could spend more time on these passages? And again, part of our worship that's violating the, the, the worldly standards. Verse 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. We have a, a world full of whoremongers and adulterers. It's not supposed to be that way in the church. Amen? Marriage, it's honorable. It's honorable. Verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness. I was just having a conversation with a pastor that got mad that I had called him out for leading young men away from the the King James Bible. And he said, well, when you come to that word conversation, what do you do with it? You just say lifestyle. That's what he said. Well, your conversation is much more than your lifestyle. It's your complete interaction with everybody. The word conversation is so much different than lifestyle. How, can, how many of you can live a lifestyle where, a lot of people, where you, there's a lot of people you never talk to? That's not what this is talking about. It's talking about your interaction with the world. And there's supposed to be a difference between you and everybody else. And it tells us what that is. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Oh, my goodness. Do you understand that the entire social justice movement is covetousness. That's what it is. They want women to have what men want. They want every race to have what every other race has. They they want every social strata to have what every other social strata has or have. That's, That's covetousness. How many of you have ever driven by a really nice house and you thought, I want that? You know, Napoleon Dynamite with the ship, I want that. Have you ever, seriously, how many of you have ever done that? Then you find out how much it costs to keep it up. I mean, there, there's a house over by the golf course. I love to play golf. There's a house over by the golf course that got a new roof. I couldn't afford the roof they put on this house. Okay? So if I want the house, I can't afford to replace the roof. But anyway, have you ever done that? You've seen something that you want? That's not covetousness. We have this weird idea of covetousness. We're going to talk this morning about appreciating of beauty. I can look at a beautiful house and think, man, it would be wonderful to have that. It'd be wonderful to live there. That's not sin. Aspiration is not sin. Do you see how our, do you see how our culture has affected us as Christians? Be honest. How many of you have ever wanted a nicer house than what you live in? Is that sin? Is wanting something nicer... Is that violating the command to be content? No. The, it's God, if, you, if, if this is in your plan, if I work hard, if, if I, if, and you're, you see that I can get a, a different house that honors you, and I'm going to honor you with it, I'll pray for that. If I don't get it, I'm going to be content with what I have. That's the biblical approach. Would you all agree with that? Man, I've got to keep going. So just, let me say this. All of the problems, every one of them that's going on, that's being fomented by the social justice movement, it's all based on covetousness. The idea that everyone should have everything equally. That Where does the Bible ever say that we're all supposed to have everything equally? No place. 
No place. Because everybody has different abilities, different talents. Some people are willing to work harder. And there are some cultures where the, the government is so corrupt that you can't earn anything because the government owns everything. What are you going to do there? You can't do anything about that. What we have to understand is, in a society like ours, if the government got out of it, then you end up with, you end up with people that have more than other people have. That's not because they took it from the, the others. I, I, I've got to go on. Look at what it says, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, look at this, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Is there a verse that we need more in our country right now for Christians to believe than that passage? Is this a part of our worship? Yes, yes. Verse 7, remember them which have the rule over you. Now notice what it says. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. So what's the end of their conversation? The idea here is, so this is talking about pastors, disciplers, teachers. Remember them. Pray pray for me. That's what it's saying. We've just come through October, somebody made up. Pastor Appreciation Month. And man, I'm very thankful for the notes, the expressions that I had where people appreciate their pastor. That's good. It's good to know that you appreciate the work that I'm doing. Of course, I do it for the Lord, but I want to be a blessing to you. I want you to feel like if you if you take the time to come, that your pastor spent some time preparing something to give you. How many of you expect me to actually have something valuable to say when you come? And so that's the goal. I work hard to have something to say, but notice what it says. Considering the end of their conversation, what does that mean? That what I preach to you, what I preach to you, what's the end result of that going to be? That's the important part. Not am I perfect, do I do everything that I say up here, and I think you all know that I don't. I'm not a hypocrite. My intention is to obey it. But how many of you have noticed that I'm not perfect? How many of you have noticed that? That would have been a great place for an amen right there. Because I fall short in so many ways, but that's not the criteria here. Then look at what it says in verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Does that seem like a non sequitur? It's not. Consider, so, so remember the people that teach you the Bible, but it's Jesus that will never change. How many of you have ever had someone teach you the Bible and they ended up going bad? That ever happened? Well, our faith isn't based on our teachers. Our faith is based on Jesus Christ. Verse 9, and if you'll do all of those things, be not carried away, I'm sorry, be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. We have an altar, whereof they, they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. So we could get into all the things offered to idols and all the, the sacrifices that we don't have to make, all of those things. But I want you to notice what it says at the beginning of verse 9. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. So we're talking about the sacrifice of praise today. We're talking about worshiping God. Jacob just mentioned that we want to make sure that the songs we sing are doctrinally correct. And a lot of the old hymns had tremendous foundational doctrine, whereas a lot of the modern Christian music, it's all about me and how hard my life is. Right? It, even the, even the old revivalistic songs that were more talking about the saved person, 
What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. It's about Jesus. It's not about me, right? Those kinds of things. That we want to make sure that, that we are doctrinally correct. Then look at verse 11. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. So what, what happened is, is when the sacrifices were made, what was left over, they'd take that outside the camp, burn it up. All right? That, but that had a significance. It goes on. Verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. They didn't crucify Jesus Christ within the gates. They took him outside the city. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him, look it, without the camp, bearing his reproach. What does that mean? That means if we're going to worship Christ, we're not going to be accepted in the culture. Did you hear what I said? If we are worshiping Christ, we are not going to be accepted in the culture. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. As the culture degenerates... Being a Christian has become more and more difficult, and we have to understand that we belong to something that is not of this world. And I believe it was Erwin Lutzer who said, if the world loves your Jesus, it's because you have made him into something that he is not. And as the world moves farther and farther away from Christ, it's going to become more and more difficult. But that's why the Bible tells us that we're going to minister outside of the camp. We might not be able to be involved in the government. We might not be able to be in the school board. Now, I hope that we can be. Amen? While we can be involved in these things, let's do it. Get on the school board. Get on the, become a senator or a congressman, whatever. But in the meantime, we need to understand that if it gets to where we're not allowed, that's okay. That's okay. Why? I wonder if the Bible says anything about it. Verse 13, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Look, you hear me quoted all the time for, what's the next word? Everyone, what's the next word? For here have we, huh, no continuing city. That means Washington. That means Columbus. That means Sydney. Why are we so wrapped up in our own world? We're not of this world, the Bible says. Okay? We have here, for here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. How many of you believe he's coming? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Now, how many of you can see that that, that verse, verse 15, it might mean something a little different then let's just sing a happy little chorus together. There's more to it. Let's read on. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Read that next word out loud for me. What does it say? Boy, not just in the church service. Continually. Continually. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving praise to his name. But verse 16, but to do good and to communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That word communicate there, that's not just saying nice things to people. This is sharing what we have when people have a need. That, that's what that word communicate there means. It's so much more than just, well, I hope you're doing okay. When somebody has a need, you actually meet the need. It's vital. That's 
Verse 1, let brotherly love continue. That's how that works. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you. What is this? This is saying that obey your pastor. Obey your, that's what, that's what it's saying. Obey your pastor. But remember what the biblical teaching on that is. Obey me when I tell you what the Bible says. That's how you obey me. If, so, so David Hughes, they've come, they've moved here to Sydney, and I say, um, David, uh, don't wear that tie. He doesn't have to obey me on that. He may choose to out of respect or whatever, but that'd be, that would be completely inappropriate for me to say. How many of you understand what I'm saying? People get crazy with this stuff. They're, okay, I got to keep going. I'm going to run out of time. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Again, this is a big problem for people. There's the home church movement. The home church is made up of people who refuse to submit to pastors. That, that's what it's made up of. How many of you know people in the home church movement? They're pretty good people, right? But they just refuse to submit and be a part of God's plan. Can I just say this out loud? Home church people are not right with God. Now, if you're in a place where there's no church, there's no church to go to, and you establish a church in your home, praise God for that. that how many of you know that's not what I'm talking about? It's always amazing to me that home church people need a church for a funeral or weddings. Do it at your house. Leave us alone. I don't want to sound as combative as I do. I'm going to smile the rest of the sermon, okay? Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Why? For they watch for your souls. Now, there's two key that we're getting back into how to study the Bible next week. I'm so excited. But... Um, one of the key things that you want to learn is, is, is this principle. Look for like and as. Like and as. All right? So, according to this, you look, look at what it says. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account. And I'm so glad of the judgment seat of Christ. My, my works are going to be judged. My, the work that I have done, not my works, but my work that I have done is going to be judged whether it's gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble. And I'm going to gain or lose rewards. All right? I, people get carried away with this stuff. It says, as one that must give account. Is that what it says? Okay, I don't have time to get into it. Maybe we'll go more. Now look at this, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Man, I know a lot of pastors that are ministering in, not in joy right now because they have, they have church people that are giving them all kinds of trouble. How many of you have ever been involved in a church where that was going on, right? Man, that's a horrible, that's a horrible situation. I'm very thankful that really, I don't know that we've ever had that here. We've had some people to get mad at me or whatever. That, that's going to happen. But as a church, we've not had that. And so, consequently, I get to minister with joy, which is why I need to not sound combative up here, right? Just pretend I'm happy. Um, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. Why? Because that's unprofitable for you. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience in all things, willing to live honestly. So, this is what worship is. And I want to, in this sacrifice of praise, I want to talk about some things in our culture and why we're going to structure our music and our audiovisual ministry the way that we are. Um, we live in a naturalistic time. So what does that mean? It's, it's a world that where 
where our, our education system, our government, they don't want to have anything to do with the spiritual side of things, the supernatural. So God couldn't create the world. It came about by natural means. How many of you know what I'm talking about with that? That's the world that we live in, and that makes its way into Christianity. But listen to what Albert Einstein wrote in the 1930s. He wrote that a religious sense of the mysterious is the, quote, most beautiful and deepest experience a man can have. He who never had this experience seems to me, if not dead, at the least blind. How about that? I messed up in my typing right there. But if not dead, at the least, he's blind. How many of you have ever, you've ever experienced just the, the, the beauty of the mysterious of what God does? Uh, think back to the first time you fell in love. What's the science about that? Right? Think, and, and seriously, remember you, you asked the girl out and she actually said yes? And all of your friends are amazed? How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? One of my buddies, Joe McCluskey, he was a real cocky guy and uh, hilarious. But he was going to ask this girl out. Her name was Cinda. So he walks down the aisle, and we see her talking. You see him talking, and he walks down, and he walks back kind of like this. And, uh, <laughs> and we all knew, what'd she say, Joe? She's gay. <laughs> this is in Bible college. She was not. <laughs> it was so funny. But that, that exhilaration, is that mysterious? How do you explain it? How do you explain it? And that's just one of the things that we experience Anyone heard of Charles Darwin? He's here with us today. Ty Blackford, if you... you know, this is from Oz Guinness. Early in his life, a trip to the Brazilian rainforest had suffused him with, quote, feelings of wonder, admiration, and devotion. I remember the first time I drove from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, over to Asheville, North Carolina. How many of you have made that drive? Over 40. Is that beautiful? We took the back roads coming back through, is it Okoe, the Okoe Forest or whatever, and the river and all of that. And I'll never forget what was happening in me looking at that beauty. And it's like Darwin described, feelings of wonder, admiration, and devotion. In these evenings when the sky here is so beautiful and the cloud formations, sometimes you'll see the sunbeams coming down from the clouds. How many of you have worshipped God looking at those things? Well, Darwin experienced that. Later, increasingly influenced by the effects of his chosen philosophy of naturalism, he acknowledged that he had lost the faculty for comprehending anything apart from empirical data. You see, his loss of a creator, his loss of the supernatural, it robbed him of his ability to worship that God. It robbed him of his ability to acknowledge the transcendent Here's a quote from Darwin. But now the grandest seams would not cause any such convictions and feelings to rise in my mind. It may be truly said that I am like a man who has become colorblind. Now understand, this is what's happened in so many people's worship. They can't acknowledge the transcendent. We are so wrapped up in our day-to-day existence and our own personal ailments, our own personal struggles, that we fail to see the invisible. We fail to see the transcendent. This is what biblical worship is supposed to be. 
When we come together, our corporate worship is supposed to be an extension of our personal worship. Darwin goes on. His naturalism affected his ability to appreciate great music. How many of you know music is a part of our worship? He wrote to a friend. Maureen, you'll appreciate this. I am glad you were at the Messiah. It is the one thing I should like to hear again. But I dare say I should find my soul too dried up to appreciate it as in the old days. And it's interesting. We live in a time where the world can't appreciate the Messiah. The world can't appreciate great music. The world can't appreciate transcendent sounds. I'm going to give you more of it in a minute. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about with that? And then I should feel very flat. This is still from Darwin. Here, let me, let me continue it so I don't mess up the flow. I am glad you were at the Messiah. It is the one thing I should like to hear again, but I dare say I should find my soul too dried up to appreciate it as in the old days. And then I should feel very flat, for it is a horrid bore to feel as I constantly do, that I am a withered leaf for every subject except science. Remember what uh, Richard Dawkins said, there's no purpose. We're just, there, there's, it, there's, no, there's no reason that you are here. There's no meaning to life. Man, I'm so glad there is. How many of you find meaning in the Lord and in his purpose for your life and in our worship of him? This is not, young people, you need to understand, this is the direction the world wants you to go. A life of complete meaninglessness. He lost his appreciation for beauty. So look with me at, at Psalms. Psalms 29. Get Psalm 29 and Psalm 96. Psalm 29 and Psalm 96. Psalm 29 and verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty... Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Now look at what it says. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. How do you do that if you don't think holiness is beautiful? Did you hear what I just said? How do you worship God in the beauty of holiness if you don't think holiness is beautiful? We have a world that has distorted beauty. I don't have time to go into the history of it, but um, uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote a book years ago. Uh, it's called The God Who Is There. He wrote a trilogy, The God Who Is There, um, He Is There and He Is Not Silent, and Escape from Reason. And I can't remember which one he talks about it, but he talks about this line of despair. That following World War I, that people came back from World War I to this part of the world. And beauty had been undermined. Beauty had been destroyed. The concept of purity and beauty and holiness was destroyed. So think about this. How many of you have ever seen just a truly beautiful painting? It's a, not, not a picture on your phone, but you see an actual work of art and you see it and it moved you. Has that ever happened? If you've not been able to see some of the great art, there's, a, there's an artist, his name's Bierstadt. I think I'm saying it right, Bierstadt or Bierstadt. And he painted great scenes of the West. These huge, massive things. And you look at them and it, it, it gets you. 
It's an amazing experience. And then you see Picasso. It might move you to vomit. Weird, gross, cubism, strange pictures. Then there's that guy named Pollock. How many of you have seen a Pollock painting? It's, well, think Hunter Biden. <laughs> um, it's, it's throwing, a, 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 taking the paint and throwing it at a canvas and then selling it for millions of dollars. I can do that. Not the millions. I can throw the paint. You see what happened? Beauty was undermined. Beauty was undermined. Um, the, the physical beauty of a lady where the hair, rather than beautiful flowing hair, is chopped up. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about with that? Right? And, and if you have, I'm not talking about your haircut today. Are you, are you all following what I'm saying right here? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just telling you, green hair doesn't look good on anybody. Why would somebody want to have green hair? That's not pretty. It's making a statement. I'm not saying it's a sin to have green hair. Go dye your hair green. It's none of my business. Seriously. I don't care if you dye your hair green. Why would I care about that? Other than it's not pretty. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Make everything as ugly as possible. How can we worship God in the beauty of holiness if we don't think holiness is beautiful? Look at Psalm 96. Verse 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen and his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be, oh, feared above all gods. Huh? Hmm. We don't think fear is beautiful. Isn't that interesting? How many of you that's a little disjointed in, in poetry? She's so beautiful. I love her eyes. Her, her nature is spectacular. She's fearsome. <laughs> it doesn't flow. It does describe her. <laughs> it doesn't flow. Verse 5, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Look at strength and what's that next word? Are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. There's something beautiful about his power. There's something beautiful about his majesty. There's something beautiful about his terrible power. Worship him. But Darwin lost his appreciation for beauty. Look at what he said. But, for, but now, for many years, I cannot endure to read a line of poetry. I have tried recently to read Shakespeare and found it so intolerably dull that it nauseated me. 
I have also almost lost my taste for pictures or music. My mind seems to have become a kind of machine for grinding general laws out of large collections of facts. Understand there's music. And here's what the music sounds like. How many of you ever heard that? It scares the living daylights out of me. Is that beautiful? I've got a feeling that's coming back to haunt me right there. It, now, there are different tastes in music. I, I've probably told you before, we were at our church in Oklahoma, and they have kind of high uh, church music, and the choir had gotten done singing, and it was a beautiful song. And the pastor got up and said, that's what church sounds like. And my brother-in-law, Justin, leaned over and said, not in West Virginia, it's not. <laughs> There's different tastes in music that all bring glory to God. Would you all agree with that? I think what I was just doing a minute ago probably doesn't. Is that fair? So he said, I have also lost, or I have also almost lost my taste for pictures or music. My mind seems to have become a kind of machine for grinding general laws out of large collections of facts. You all have heard of Brave New World, Aldous Huxley? Listen to what he wrote. So the Bible and classics of the Western faith have been locked away, and this is in his book. God isn't compatible with the machinery and scientific medicine and universal happiness. Let me read that again. God isn't compatible with machinery and scientific medicine and universal happiness. Does that sound like today? So understand, if we're going to worship him, we're going to have to go outside the camp. If our music and our audiovisual ministry is going to bring glory to God, yes, we can use some of the tools of the world. The, 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 this, this technology here is useful. Would you all agree with that? The images are helpful. Let's make sure they're beautiful. That's the idea. This was written in 1931. It was published in 1932. How many of you think it's gotten better? What a world. It's hard to find a movie or a TV show where the hero isn't a degenerate. Right? It's the idea. Anne Lamott on growing up near San Francisco, and this is years ago. Listen to what she said. None of the adults in our circle believed. Believing meant that you were stupid. Ignorant people believed. Uncouth people believed. And we were heavily couth. You understand that's the world. Joe Rogan thinks we're idiots. He thinks that we're the dumbest people in the world. Going to worship outside the camp. So John Phillips, you all know that I've quoted him quite a bit. Um... He was just a simple Bible commentator. He was a Baptist. He, when he died, he was a member of an independent Baptist church. I got to preach with him twice. And so I looked up what he said on this passage, verses 16 and 17, or 15, yeah, 15 and 16. And listen, this is kind of a long section, so I've, I've put it up here. And I just want to read to you John Phillips' words. Another fact of the Christian life is consecration, the setting apart of oneself for the Lord. This calls for spiritual worship, for a life of praising God. How many hours, one wonders, did David spend perfecting the words of his psalms? That is all God wants from us, and it is all we can give to him. The animal sacrifices of a dead and outmoded religion are not for us. Ours is the sacrifice of praise. 
For these hesitant Hebrews to lift up their voices and praise to the Lord. Now, these hesitant Hebrews, that's because the book of Hebrews was written to who? Hebrews. For these hesitant Hebrews to lift up their voices and praise to the Lord Jesus meant the fierce hatred of their fellows. For many in the world today, it means the same. For everyone, it means the investment of time, to say the least. How long does it take to perfect praise? To soberly think through the immense realities of the grace and the goodness and the glory and the government of God? Isn't that a good question? We flippantly pray. We flippantly read the Bible. We flippantly sing songs. Is praise the glib singing of a chorus? Or is it hours spent in God's presence with heart uplifted in awe and worship at the wonders of his person and his works? Isn't that good? Is praise the thoughtless line or two of a hymn sung with others at a worship service? Can I read that again? Is praise the thoughtless line or two of a hymn sung with others at a worship service? Or is it the voice of testimony raised among people in glory to God at home, at work, and at play? So here's my question, and I'm done. I have four questions here. What does your praise say about your God? Okay, so here's four questions. Just answer these in your own mind. Is he great? Is your God great? Do you praise him for that? Do you praise him for his goodness, his greatness? Is he great? Does he love beauty? Does he love beauty? Does he expect order? How many of you have ever been in a church where there was no order? It's like a zoo. I mean, people barking like dogs and animals and making all kinds of noises. It's just, that's not Christian. Can I say it again? That's not Christian. The passage in 1 Corinthians that says, let all things be done decently and in order, that's talking about a church service. It's not craziness. It's not a mosh pit. And here's the thing. Remember what David said, I won't offer anything that costs me nothing. Remember that? Is your praise costly enough to you to be called a sacrifice? Because that's the title, the sacrifice of praise. What does it cost you? So, the sacrifice of praise, everybody stand up with me. The sacrifice of praise, it might cost you some time. You're going to come and you're going to practice with the music team. You're going to come and you're going to help with the audiovisual. We want to make more and more videos to go out on our church website. Like we said, Tom Rayner, when we asked, are we a welcoming church? Tom Rayner in his book says that the website is the front door to the church now. So we, we want the website, as Logan was saying, we want that website to be beautiful. Right? We want to take advantage of the opportunities we have to make beautiful videos. The, the amount of time it takes to make a beautiful video would absolutely boggle your mind. We need people who are willing to make the sacrifice to do that. How many of you think the skits that we've shown are actually funny? Would you raise your hand? You think they are. They're hilarious. Ty writes those. Can you imagine the time it takes to write that? So it might be a sacrifice of time. The the amount of time it takes to learn to be a good pianist that we can use in the church services. Those of you who play other instruments, we want to incorporate those. Things like Amanda's didgeridoo. We want to we incorporate that into the church service. 
I love all of Do you like that? Uh, Pam being willing to do a children's choir for us. It's like herding cats. But what a wonderful thing it is to. How many of you like to hear children sing? Isn't that a beautiful thing to do? And not only that, man, how many of you know that it's hard for me to remember stuff, right? I, tried to, I was trying to talk about the Roths in Sunday school and get an update on the child. And I'd already been talking with them about it. And I looked at them and couldn't remember their names. I, yesterday or the day before, we're driving down the road and the theme to the Beverly Hillbillies came out. And I remembered every stinking syllable. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you a story about a man named Jed, right? We, what happened? I learned that when I was little. Let's get, let's get good music in our children's hearts and minds and lives. Amen? Sacrifice. What does your praise cost you? What, it, 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 could it be called? Isn't this a good question? The sacrifice of praise? Has it cost you enough to be a sacrifice? If it hasn't, then it's not what Hebrews 13 is talking about. Amen? Amen. So now, let's get the teams to go to their tables. Going to sign up. We have music team over here, audio-visual team over here. Maureen's going to play some music, and y'all just head to the tables and sign up. Oh, by the way, we're not done. We have a little bit to do at the end of this. So just for a couple of minutes, let's go ahead and sign up. Everybody go to your places. If you're already on the music team, go and sign up. We still need you.